everyone. Welcome to another episode of Diversity Talks. Um, I've got a really special guest today, um, a good friend of mine, Nikki Kemp. Who... Hi. Hiya. You right? <laughs> Thanks. How are you? Yeah, great. Thank you. The sun's out, so it's, it's nice and sunny today where I am. <laughs> it's not, the sun is not out here. <laughs> <laughs> so Nikki's um, managing editor of Byte at Creative Brief. Um, and this is quite funny because obviously you're an amazing journalist in the industry. <laughs> so it's like the interviewer interviewing the interviewee. <laughs> That's why I can't, I can't help but interrupt, which is really rude for a podcast guest. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting nervous now. <laughs> um, cool. So a lot of our podcasts are basically sort of we've been talking about diversity for years and years and years um and the numbers some of the numbers are going up um which is great but a lot of the numbers are still going down and we still have issues and we still have people talking about the same stuff so i wanted to sort of chat to you about what what how do we make it better because there's so much stuff we can do you've been amazingly involved with pushing diversity for for years now um in campaign and in your current role um and in your day-to-day life as well so just want to have a chat to be honest um what's your thoughts what can we do i think there's lots of things that that we can do and it's interesting like something i've been thinking a lot about at the moment is the kind of need to have deeds and words like we've seen a lot of um brands and agencies rightly supporting movements like black lives matter but there's a, sometimes a gap in terms of like where's the accountability um you know where where is the the metric that we measure change by and it's something that i've always been quite aware of as a journalist like even you know really early on in my career a lot of the times I would be asked, you know, you'd be pitching things in as a, as a junior reporter. And the question that you would get asked the most is, is he a name? Is he a name? And I look at so many of the sort of structures and conference lineups and news bulletins that feature, in all honesty, white men that all look the same. And I feel that question, is he a name, you know, 15 years later is still being asked. And I think it is definitely a turning point now. And it's it's interesting to see kind of the response that people are having to agencies and brands saying, we want to do better. You know, there's a real kind of like, we'll hurry up and do it then, you know, have some accountability. And, and that's something I've been thinking about a lot in terms of what the role of the media is in, in facilitating that change. Because definitely in, in my career, I've definitely experienced that that structures and, and kind of is he a name perpetuates inequality and it creates the an ecosystem in a lot in a lot of people where they feel like they don't belong or there isn't a role for them or they look at, at their industry publication or they look at a conference lineup and they say well where is where is the space for me like who's reflecting me 
And I think that this is something that we really need to move on now and not just in kind of words and saying, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that and having a having a policy, but like having accountability towards that policy and making that policy a reality because you know in all honesty like in the midst of this kind of covid crisis everywhere i look i see brilliantly talented diverse talent losing their jobs you know and and we've seen the data um coming out that this crisis is disproportionately impacting women disproportionately impacting mothers and we haven't even seen the data when it comes to sort of ethnic diversity. And I just feel like we we have to be so careful of having a situation where you've got, you know, a, 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 a series of CEOs across the industry who look very similar, saying very similar things, while actually in the reality is their organisations are becoming less diverse. It's amazing, isn't it? It's it's like one on one end there's a, a commitment going on and then obviously we're losing talent on the other end which obviously needs to change as well um, yeah. i mean just thinking about i mean just thinking about is he a name and stuff where you talked about is he a name is he a name it's obviously we do see that all all the time so you see the same people writing the same articles the thought pieces um being covered all the time do you think and I mean obviously it's it's done to sell obviously because names always sell so people look out for names and stuff that's one of the old sort of ways of thinking and stuff it, from just, a great, yeah do you think that's true or I think it's lazy journalism if yeah. I'm really honest yeah. I say that without judgment. I say that as somebody who has, you know, you've been on a deadline and you have leaned back on your network of people you already know. So I say that like as somebody who has partaken in that lazy that lazy journalism myself, but I also think what's really really interesting now is the diffusion of influence. Yeah. So when I look at like some of the most um, you know, really powerful and impactful thought leadership um, and real honest stories. Actually, you know, they're being published on LinkedIn and then traditional publishers are following them up. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting, that diffusion of influence, because actually there's a real role for like active listening in this as well. And I think actually people have created their own platform really successfully whether yeah. it's like a thread on Twitter or it's an article on LinkedIn with a really kind of honest, no holes barred, you know, personal story of discrimination or even a review of a company on Glassdoor yeah. you know, that really kind of gets behind the, the, the kind of gloss. And, and I think that diffusion of influence is really, really interesting because actually that, that really affords the opportunity for a greater diversity in the media because that you have your own platform and I think like traditional media owners historically have been really really quite scathing of things like influencer marketing and influencer platforms but you know I, I just think that there is a real 
diversity of creativity on those platforms and a much lower barrier to entry than some of the traditional media platforms. And also you've got brilliant organisations like Bloom, um, you know, creating spaces for kind of real voices to be heard. And I look at the way those organisations operate and it's like almost intrinsic in the way they curate their events is that they're constantly passing the mic to somebody else, you know. Their network is constantly looking for new people, new talent, new voices. And I think that isn't something that perhaps the industry has been that good at. Because, you know, let's face it, we've all got egos and, you know, a great opportunity comes to you. It's very difficult to go, oh, actually... I'm going to take this great opportunity and I'm going to give it to somebody else. But actually, that is almost the most underrated leadership skill, you know, like what are you doing for the other people in your team, for people that aren't like you, that don't necessarily have the same background um, and experience? What are you doing to elevate them and create a space for them? And it's 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 a challenge and it it takes time. You know, it takes time, it takes training, it takes investment and investing more of your time in actually looking at other people rather than kind of building your own profile, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%, because you have to you, you have to invest that long, long-term commitment. I mean, it has to be a long-term commitment. I mean, we've talked about, so there's a lot of people talking about diversity at the moment, it's like, we need talent we need talent and let's go out to schools <clears throat> to get talent and you're thinking that's happened before and what's happened before is that agent people have gone out companies have gone out into schools talking about it but given up because when you're talking to 13 14 year olds um you they're not going to work for you for at least 8 years <laughs> 10 years yeah yeah and I interviewed um, Matt Wells, who uh, works in talent and recruitment and training, and he said he, he worked on a project exactly like that. They went into Hackney schools, um, but the agency, unfortunately, gave up because they didn't see the return for, obviously, it took years and years and years, so we need that commitment. I think... Um, sorry. I so agree with you that that talent pipeline is really important, but I also think that there's a real issue with actually retaining that talent yeah massively yeah and the 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 way that diverse talent is hired is one thing but and it's really really important to look at that yeah so just you know the lack of retention of that talent and why that talent isn't being retained like there's a real kind of messy middle of middle management and you can have you know, particularly if you're a large agency network, you can have a fabulous policy on, you know, for example, maternity leave. But if you have a, that not lived out in middle management, that talent is going to be squeezed out of your business. Yeah. And I, it, it needs to be a KPI. If it isn't measured, it's not going to be a priority. It's not going to be a business priority. And, you know, everyone's time pressured and in all honesty, you look at a lot of agencies and it's like they're not putting in enough time to actually understand why they're not retaining that diverse talent, what yeah. the pinpoints are. 
and 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 why that's happening and if even if you look at the language around it it's so you know i can't stand it when people talk about women dropping out of the industry like it's kind of like amorphous lemmings dropping off a cliff but it creates a lack of accountability all that kind of language when really it's you know there's lots of people that are being squeezed out of the industry because they're not being given the space that they need to thrive yeah I think one of the things we also talked about previously was um, because recruitment actually recruitment is is actually not working but doing it's okay at the moment because people are going out and actively doing it it's that retaining and I think strategies should start with how like like a blank sheet on how you retain that talent before you recruit it as well Um, definitely and training other people training like even training um colleagues as well so having a better understanding of actually we all go to the pub on friday or used to go to the pub on friday a muslim talent doesn't drink so make sure you're inviting them but realize that they don't drink and when they don't drink a pint of beer um or a glass of wine um don't ask them why you not why you not drinking And I think like the uncomfortable fact is that like for the creative industries, you know, you look at all these sort of weird, just weird ideas like creative rock star. And it's really built on the cult of individualism and building individual profiles, individual careers, individual success. Mm. And you look at a lot of agencies and you go, where is the training in management, in talent management? you know, and you see things happening, you know, I was having a conversation um, with a, a, a black female creative and, you know, she'd had a 360, you know, the 360 appraisal, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and the people filling in those appraisal forms, they have no, you know, they haven't had unconscious bias training. They are, you know, making comments about, you know, women who appear to be aggressive that they're not doing for their male colleagues and stuff like that can really stay with people they can they can carry it and when you you talk to sort of particularly younger people at the beginning of their career they tend to hold on to those pieces of criticism yeah more than they should and yeah. and it's i i wish there was a way of kind of you know getting through that because sometimes you just want to say well i've really just in all honesty, I don't think your line manager knows what he's talking about. Like, you know, why do you value his opinion so yeah. strongly? Yeah. Um, but they carry that with with them. And actually, I think though sometimes it can be these these really small things that just together mount up and kind of eat up confidence and and stop stop really talented people from progressing to where we need them to be, really. Yeah, it's a bit like the old school reports. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I 100%, 100% agree with you. I think um, just talking about talent leaving the industry, what's quite interesting is I read, um, because there's a massive, obviously, ageism within um, companies in the industry as well. Um, there's a really good thing I read that Intel did and I read this years ago that in when people retire at Intel, they're like the chief engineer, like the engineering department, they still pay them, so they have them on retainer. 
where um, where they can tap into them at any point. Even that they retired and they've left Intel, they're still being paid because they can tap into that talent because they know these guys have done it before. They know the history of it, and they would That's get some good. Idea. Such a good idea, isn't it? I, I literally, I, I think I read it like over ten years ago, really a really long time ago, and I thought that's amazing that you're you thought about that and it works, doesn't it? I mean, it so was, and I I feel like ageism is such a massive issue for the advertising industry, and you look and they at the kind of issues that younger talent are facing, and actually, if they had more support and more. You know, we talk so much about mentoring and it's often outside of companies. And it's because that that kind of layer of senior expertise has, has been stripped out because, you know, when you see people as a cost cost basis, you know, those older people did tend to come in on higher salaries. Yeah. But it's yeah. also having like a really devastating impact on business. Like I'm a I'm a 41 year old woman and, you know, a lot of advertising um to me is just it it offends me it's like I don't want to fight the signs of aging thanks very much I'm quite happy to 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 grow old but the industry is just massively out of touch with the reality of being a 41 year old woman because you don't have enough women in the industry over 40 to say actually we're not scared shitless of 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 a few wrinkles actually thanks very much and nor do we want to fight our own faces I mean, you need, you need, it's just, um, I mean, it's so obvious. And I don't know, and, and everyone says it's obvious as well. So we've had all these conversations um, for years and it's so obvious. Um, I remember mm-hmm. when I did the original film like in 2010 about kicking off diversity in advertising. Emma Sexton was, at the time she was um, running She Says for Laura. And, yeah. Um, they were really obviously pushing, they were pushed massively and helped push gender diversity in the industry. Um, and those are the same points you were still making. Then. Yeah. And I'm like, well, it's, it's obvious, isn't it? What, and if you can't, if, if the business case isn't there for a full-time person, could we not just copy the Intel model? I mean, yeah. And also just have an honest conversation about how people want to work, you know, what, how much work to do. A lot of people, they don't necessarily want to retire, but they might want to work more flexibly. They might want to work two days a week, three days a week. You know, I mean, this whole crisis has, has kind of made the conversations that I was having, you know, six years ago when I first went on maternity leave about, oh, can I possibly work four days a week? Oh, I don't know. That's an absolute, you know, moving heaven and earth look slightly ridiculous yeah <laughs> and hopefully that will that will make those conversations so much easier because you know the fact is that there's still women you know who can't get roles in particularly in creative departments because they don't want to work you know five days a week evenings they want to have a different balance to their lives and and the industry has been quite slow accommodating that yeah 100 percent. and i think hopefully now because the case is proven we can work from anywhere <laughs> yeah yeah although yeah. i have been eating a lot of snacks <laughs> like that lockdown 
cliche of wearing gym kit to eat crisps. It's <laughs> a good look. <laughs> so, um, you've covered a lot of panels um, on diversity um, and obviously work with Creative Equals and Bloom as well. Yeah. Is there stuff that you've heard, that you've seen or people talk about um, that have actually really worked within the yeah so it really is it's 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 definitely I think leadership makes such a strong impact you know I think leading by example and having those kind of open honest conversations and I think that's why Bloom has been so successful because they've had you know incredibly talented incredibly successful women you know they've had speakers like Lindsay Patterson at WPP you know lots of really high profile women talking just really without any kind of gloss without agenda just really honestly about some of the challenges that that women face in the workplace and actually some of the solutions and I think what panels like that because I think there is this kind of you know, we've all seen those. Oh, here's the panel about diversity at an all-day conference at the end of the day yeah. where we get diverse people to only speak about diversity yeah. as if that is the only... like the, and, and that, I think, is really counterproductive. But I do think making the space to have honest conversations and to have, you know, a, a really good mix of people... Like, I, I really think that this whole idea of every conference just needs to be a, a, the same CEOs is just actually, it's just a bit of a vacuum. And, yeah. and it, in, in my experience, I've learned, if, not, if I look back on the last year, I've learned more from listening to junior creatives and young people, people with different backgrounds to me than I have in hearing from people that are incredibly talented at their jobs, very successful CEOs. But actually, we need to talk about the sort of real lived experience that different people have within yeah. the industry. Because otherwise, you 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 can't find a way things... You, you can't necessarily find the way that things will work for you. I mean, I remember um, being just about to go on maternity leave and we were thinking about moving out of London and I... I went to this event and I was listening to this this very successful woman being interviewed and she was just sort of coming up with things that were quite definite so it was like well you you don't have a long commute don't do this it was it was very prescriptive like these are the ways that you need to to succeed and I think that can be really alienating so if you have more diversity of opinion you know you have more diversity of experience then you know there's more opportunity to actually have an interesting conversation yeah. <laughs> rather than kind of just talk in platitudes but also for people to see different opportunities different models of success and and different pathways into the industry for them you can relate to that a lot more as well can't you so yeah makes so much sense with bloom how many members does bloom have now do you know um, so I think they've got about 600 members now. So, oh yeah. and I think Bloom is really interesting. And, and there's another um, organisation as well called the Futures Network, which is women who've won the Wackle Future Leaders Award. Oh, okay. and 
I think those organizations where they are, you know, th- that midpoint in your career is is really powerful. I mean, I would have loved that. I definitely would have benefited from that. There wasn't something like that out there when I was at that stage. And I think just sort of recognizing where where the the pinch point is and and often the pinch point for women definitely is in that middle stage of your career and and also just creating that that network of support and 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 connection because some of the kind of traditional advertising bodies and groups can feel a little bit you know a little bit um inapproachable if that makes sense yeah so i think those kind of organizations are really really good and also just like in sort of making people feel like they're not alone by kind of bringing some of those real experiences to the fore yes with some of the older organizations it's there's always a fee (laughs) there's always like a cost to get involved do stuff as well which is yeah which is interesting um and i think that sorry such a it's just like an interesting point for companies to think about and in all aspects of everything that they're doing is accessibility like even to the point of you know are you writing a a, a piece of thought leadership that you think is really important to your company that's sat behind a paywall like what are you what are you kind of what are you doing to make make things accessible for the largest amount of talent um and not just talent that's already in your organization, but diverse talent that you want to attract to your organization. I think accessibility needs to get much higher up the list. Yeah, massively. It's um, and those times, because it, it, obviously it's just to drive registrations and and more click throughs and advertising and stuff. But those, I mean, what's to what we've learned that's changed over the last couple of months. I mean, it's like with COVID, F, was it FT and New York Times put all the COVID content pre, pre-paywall, so it was all free, and it was informing people what's going on, and that's amazing, and it's, and I think that's what we should do within, as, exactly what you said, we should do that within, for diversity and and supporting people within the trade journals as well. There was one... The other day, which was like we'd been talking about diversity for forty years um, for trade journals, so I clicked on the link and it was behind a paywall, and I just gave yeah. up. It's just, like, yeah, it is. It is such a challenge because it's such a challenging time for those publications, fin- economically and financially. Yeah. But, but if you think about things like sponsorship models, like I'd really like to see more brands looking at accessibility in the conferences for example that they sponsor so you're doing if you're um you sponsor a big event why not as part of that sponsorship package support for some of those tickets to be free to for diverse and underrepresented communities like i think there's ways of doing it and and also there just needs to be a lot more collaboration across the industry rather than I suppose to some competition about who's got the best initiative. Do you know what I mean? Let's not do that. Let's work out what really works and then let's open source it. I mean, you know, Nike did it with sustainable fashion. They made all their research open 
And we need to do the same thing when it comes to actually what is really working with diversity and inclusion, like particularly now when, you know, everyone's facing a lot of pressure on their time, on their, you know, bottom line. So just open source it. I'd really, really like to see more of that. Yeah, someone said that 100%, and I, I, that's what I like want with diversity. When we launched like 10 years ago at the IPA, every agency was there. Um, yeah. And we had um, Sir John Hegarty speaking. We had um, Tre- um, Trevor speaking. We had all the top people in advertising speaking, and all the agencies were there as well. And we had like a a session. There was a session where it just people just started talking after we launched the film, and everyone was suggesting ideas, and everyone was coming up with ideas, and they were sharing all those ideas. Um, and it just disappeared after that. Um, yeah. No collaboration. And with the um, someone asked me the other day with the um, the latest diversity film about healthcare, um, and I said. Like it's not me. This isn't my film. This is everyone's film. Um, yeah. It has to be everyone's film. So, and everyone has to um, collaborate with each other because otherwise we're not going to make a change. It just can't just be one person. Yeah, and I I think that's so true. And also, it's 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 not just you know it's it's kind of all of our problem to solve. Like you yeah. know I'm I'm a a middle-class white woman you know I'm not there's lots of different types of oppression that I've never experienced in my life and it's really important to have intersectionality and sometimes I feel um, in all honesty I sometimes feel that women at the top of the industry don't give enough thought to intersectionality it's almost like being a woman is a get out of jail free card to the diversity issue yeah. <laughs> and, and I just think it just isn't at all and I think that is going to change so quickly and I think we're going to look back on some of the sort of behaviors and you know lack of action taken by women leaders like you know in five years time and the response to that will be really different to what it is today yeah 100 percent. I think that what you just said that's all that's actually happened that's happening now as well um, it was the read in the news this morning that the HR director at, at, um, Adidas had resigned, um, and she she's resigned because of diver, the diversity issues as well. Which is quite yeah, and and I think it's you know I think it's that it's actually on us as well. Like it's on us to educate ourselves and to to sort of be vigilant and it's it is it's like active active listening yeah because you know experience isn't universal you know my experience as a white woman is very different to other women and it's like actually just gripping that and and really recognizing that I think is just really really urgent because it it you know, I, I definitely am of the Madeleine Albright school of feminism that's a special place in hell for women that don't support other women. But in all honesty, I think there is definitely some some issues with with female leaders not stepping up. 
yeah. on issues like Black Lives Matter because you know they feel like that you know they've they they've they've fought their own battles and that's it you know that and and I don't think we should be holding women to higher standards than men but we still need to hold them to standards yeah yeah you know? and it's I think that is a real issue um for, for lots of industries but I do I do think it it is one that I'd like to see gripped yeah because yeah and it, ha it supports that's an amazing quote from my... <laughs> <laughs> never heard that one. <laughs> that is amazing so one quick question um so if we go back to um nikki leaving university and starting her first role um and sort of when you was your first role at the bbc wasn't it yeah i worked so i did loads of I did loads of uncode internships as well. So that, that is some privilege right there. Um, I did, I did do, I had a bar job that sort of saw me through, but I did loads of, I did a master's degree in journalism. And then as part of that, we had to sort of do um, some like three months in industry. Yeah. So I worked at the BBC. I worked at CNN. My first like paid job um, was this was at, uh, Standard and Pause as a financial journalist, um, which was really interesting because actually, you know, I look back and I think actually there were less women um, in in that industry at that time, and I, you know, I covered sort of uh, trading floors, so that was you know quite a male environment. But I feel like the sexism was very visible, yeah. like you could see it, like it was quite it was almost it was almost simple because it was there and also I really benefited from because there wasn't that many women the women that were there I remember when I started it was like you know you felt you felt that support you yeah. know um and that's something that I was you know really really grateful for but something that I is really important to me like I want people that I work with to feel that support from me to feel that if they have a challenge or you know they've experienced some you know some really crappy um, microaggressions that they've got somebody that they know has their back and and that's something that I yeah I think I was really lucky to have that so early on because in all honesty I didn't have that all the way through my career you know I had some when I think about the biggest challenges that I had and the sort of stereotyping I think that you know a lot of women get especially if they want to spend time with their kids actually I was almost judged more by women than men if that makes sense yeah yeah um because I I think women feel like they can vocalize it yeah in a way that I can't imagine like a male manager saying some of the things that female bosses have said to me that I'm just like wow you can't that is really sexist um yeah, yeah it's really interesting that is interesting because coming from like an Asian perspective you do actually you feel like you're getting more judged by the like you're more judged by the other Asians in the office as well it's quite interesting. yeah I think there's like those issues are so in great and, and I also think like being fair like I think it's also sometimes as as women we find it hard to 
articulate what we need to other women for fear that it feels like a judgment of their decisions, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So if your boundaries are, are different, and sometimes, you know, you have moments where you're you're almost in your own head a bit much. Like even now, you know, I was really, really, really stressed about this whole, you know, no school situation. I was like, oh my goodness, my kids are gonna be on conference calls. I'm gonna look so unprofessional. You know, I was really, really stressed about it. And then literally the first check-in I had with my CEO, both of his girls were on the video and he was just so relaxed about it. And I was like, wow, I'm literally having this battle in my own head. <laughs> it's not this is not an it this is not a, the issue that I think it is <laughs> and I think that's important too because sometimes you know we all come with our own baggage or our misconceptions yeah and, and actually a lot of the time you know the people around us they they want to support us they want they want us to do the best we can but sometimes they it's just like giving people the space yeah. to do that and that's the type of advice we need to get out there is actually what you just said, your little story, and then everyone else would, because everyone was, like so many people were worried about what the background of the webcam is. <laughs> <laughs> and it actually, it wasn't a problem. In the, <laughs> like, yeah, it's just, it's yeah. like, it's so interesting, isn't it? And it's, yeah. you know, and I, and I think, you know, I've got, um, I was chatting to a lady who's going back to a marketing role, um, returning from maternity leave. And um, sort of, she was just sort of just wanted a bit of advice about that transition. And you just think, wow, that that transition now, particularly if you don't have childcare is, is phenomenally yeah. difficult. And actually, there's, there's a real like, strength that comes from just saying that actually, that's really hard. Sometimes that's, that's what people need, they need to just know that actually what they're trying to do is quite challenging yeah yeah and so it's out there and stuff that's yeah. so important cool one last tip just one thing something you've seen which an agency or media or journal um has done which people should nick and scale <laughs> yeah so okay so i'm gonna say and, and this is so simple and this is such a simple thing. And I'm sort of saying this in the light of sort of the, the kind of COVID crisis we're in at the moment. But I think actually time, the biggest thing that you can give yourself is time. And actually the agencies that I look at and think, wow, you've got some really interesting new talent. You've got different perspectives are doing practical things to support their staff. So um, both Digitas and Crispin Porter-Bogofsky, for example, yeah. they have like a, a, a two-hour protected time in the middle of the day where people aren't allowed to put in external meetings. Yeah. And that allows those people to connect with their families, to work on the, you know, doing something else, to get some exercise. And actually, I know it sounds really, really trite, but I think if the last few months have taught me anything, it is actually that practical, practical, real, um, you know, protected time. And actually, you know, at a cost, you know, if you've got a principle, it costs you something. If you value, you know, that the, your staff, if you 
value their mental well-being there's actually a cost to that it's not just a thought leadership piece that you've written one year and then you've never gone back to it it's actually you're looking at the the working structure the structure of the working day and you're going actually I'm going to change this to enable more people to thrive and I just think as an example and I know it's quite a small thing but I still believe that flexible working is one of the biggest ways you can unlock and retain more diverse talent so agencies stepping up and with with something that costs them I think is really really powerful yeah that's amazing that's a very good point and it's just two simple things as well isn't it yeah but it's an action yeah I think a lot of the time with these kind of things it might not be an action it might be an article or an initiative yeah but you know there's something like that that's got accountability to it it's a change in the working practice yeah and I think that's really good yeah that's what we need more action thank you so much I mean we could go on for hours actually (laughs) (laughs) it's been really interesting thank you so much thank you thanks for having me